I know you're not supposed to, you know, call people stupid, but I mean, some people just are stupid, let's face it. Like, like the uncle who always starts an argument at your family Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, you know it's coming. You know he's an obnoxious snot that sot that no one, maybe he's both, I don't know. It makes a lot of difference if you drop that in, doesn't it? He's an obnoxious old sot that no one will mourn after he's dead. But he's family, so you feel obligated to invite him. And then he ruins everyone's meal when he starts in on his latest rant. At least one or two of Jesus' disciples must have been like your crazy old uncle. They were with Jesus in the upper room. Jesus was transforming the Passover Seder into the Lord's Supper, a memorial to himself. It is a solemn and holy moment. But then, someone starts an argument. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, we're going to read verses 24 through 30. Luke 22, verses 24 through 30. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is, is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I confer on you a kingdom. Okay, just for a moment, I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes. These guys had given up everything to follow Jesus. They believed that He was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. They believed that Jesus was the one who would crush the Roman occupation and establish God's kingdom on earth. And now, the time has arrived. Their faithfulness was going to be rewarded. Jesus was giving them a kingdom. They were going to rule with Him. They had been fishermen and craftsmen and day laborers, and now they were going to become kings and princes and governors. I confer on you a kingdom. It was exciting and exhilarating and, and, and intoxicating. There was only one question. What kind of kingdom was Jesus going to give them? One that would be filled with wealth and power and, and earthly glory? Or was it a different kind of kingdom altogether? I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me. All right, now we're getting someplace. 
The kingdom that Jesus is going to confer on the disciples is going to be the same kind of kingdom that God the Father bestowed on God the Son. Which, if you were one of the disciples, had to be sort of a sobering thought, to say the very least. Remember, these men had repeatedly heard Jesus say, my kingdom is not of this world. They'd seen Jesus place a little child on his lap and say, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Ooh, that's strange. Because after all, who, you know, what child leads a kingdom? You know, that doesn't make much sense. And then they'd watched in amazement as Jesus washed their filthy, dirty feet. You still have your Bibles open. Turn over to John chapter 13. John 13, verses 12 through 17. When they had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. All right, this will make you think, won't it? I mean, there was this, take the, take the meal that they had just shared. Jesus wasn't acting like someone who was about to be crowned king. Instead, Jesus did things like he picked up the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup and he passed it around the table. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. And then Jesus went on to tell them, Kings like to throw their weight around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It is not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act like the part of a servant. Who would you rather be, the one who eats at the, the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I've taken my place among you as one who serves. With all that in mind, the disciples must have been thinking, Jesus has given us a kingdom. What kind of kingdom has he just given us? You know, it's the same question that we need to ask ourselves as Christians, as members of Sunset Road Baptist Church. Occasionally, I like to listen to sports radio when I, when I go, I'm going to the hospitals or something. I like the shows, but I just absolutely hate the commercials that come up between those shows. Some guy is telling you how to make a fortune in real estate using his secret system, of course. And then some dude is trying to make you invest in some surefire franchise offer. Your territory will be guaranteed, of course. Or some Pollyanna will warn you that the economic system is about to collapse and he knows the perfect way to protect your money. And maybe the worst of all, Somebody will come on and say, do you owe a fortune to the IRS? Call us. We'll help reduce that burden. Yeah, okay. Look, 
What you've just heard is examples of the value system of this world. Look out for number one. Money and the things money can buy is the, is the end-all and be-all of reality. Control your own destiny. Be your own boss. Retire in comfort. Or be obscenely rich enough to build your own rocket and go off into the heavens. The kingdom Jesus has given us is a kingdom in which sacrifice is more important than power. Say that with me. Sacrifice is more important than power. It's a kingdom in which ministry is more important than authority. Say that with me. Ministry is more important than authority. It is a kingdom in which a heart filled with agape love is more valuable than personal prestige. Let's say that. A heart filled with agape love is more invaluable than personal prestige. This is a kingdom in which dying to self is the secret of abundant life. Can you say that with me? Dying to self, dying to me, is the secret of abundant life. It is a kingdom in which wealth is measured in terms of what you give away. Say that with me. Wealth is measured in terms of what you give away. Jesus' kingdom is one in which obtaining treasure on earth is worthless compared to with the promise of heavenly reward. Say that with me. Obtaining treasure on earth is worthless compared with the promises of God's heaven. But here's the most important thing about the kingdom that Jesus has conferred on all of us. In the kingdom Jesus has established, the King of kings and Lord of lords of over all creation became the suffering servant who died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus once has told his disciples, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be destroyed by the one and despise the other. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? You can be faithful to the kingdom of God or you can pursue the, king, the kingdom of this world. But you can't do both. Because you'll end up loving one and hating the other. In one of his books, Tony Campolo tells a great story. He said that when he was, he was a young pastor, that uh, he, had preached a, he had preached at one church one Sunday, and after it was over, the, a woman came up to him and said, I'd like you to come back to my home and we'll eat Sunday dinner together. So, you know, Tony didn't have any other way to eat, so he said, okay. He went there and this woman lived in a huge home filled with luxuries beyond belief. She told him, you go in there in, in the den and you can watch television while I cook. So he went in the, the, the den and, and, oh my goodness, there was this oversized leather sofa recliner. And I had a big screen TV up there, color television. He said, I turned on my Philadelphia Eagles football game. And I'm sitting there watching my favorite team in this wonderful chair. And then she calls me to lunch. And she said, he said, she's made an incredible spread of food on the table. And after I, I said grace, she starts in about how this world is so filled with suffering. And how she's ready to go to heaven. He said, I'm sitting there thinking, why would anybody want to leave all of this? Think about it. 
Today, churches build multi-million dollar recreational facilities for themselves, while millions of children in this world are starving to death. There are congregations who pay their pastors a king's ransom in salary while neglecting the responsibilities to care for the poor and hungry and needy. And there are far too many Christians who are concerned with the next presidential election or rehashing the one that's already taken place than they are about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Sometimes it makes me wonder if Jesus ever regrets conferring a kingdom on us. That's why it's so important to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Sure, it can sometimes feel like an empty ritual if we're not careful. And a Lord's Supper worship has certainly not got all the wow factors that some congregations like to present every Sunday morning on the platform. But every time we break the bread and share the cup, we are reminded that Jesus did not come to earth to be served. Jesus came to earth to give his life on the cross so that you and I might live. Every time we break the bread and we share the cup, we are reminded that we haven't been called to rule in the kingdom of this world. We've been called to be servants in the kingdom of God. You know, I got to tell you, there were some times I wanted to crack a knot in Bill Helms' head. Now, dead, Bill's been dead a number of years, but, but some of you remember who he is, but in case you don't know who he is, let me, let me tell you a little bit about Bill Helms. Bill was stubborn, opinionated, and could be aggravating at times. Now, anybody that needs to stop me anytime, you say, that's not right. If I'm right, you just keep listening. Bill was a hopeless gossip who had to know everything that was going on here at the church. Bill was loud, overbearing. He wore ridiculous ties. <laughs> and he told misogynistic jokes about women in marriage. But I love that man, and I miss him to this day. I do. See, here's the thing. Once you got past Bill's annoying habits, you discovered a man who loved the Lord and had a genuine heart for ministry and service. For years, our Baptist men would go once a month during the winter to the emergency winter shelter and minister. And we did this because of Bill. It started about, I don't know, 25, 26, 7 years ago. When I got a letter from the shelter asking the church to collect blankets for the homeless. Bill was our Baptist men's director at the time, so, so I passed the letter on to him. Knowing Bill or thinking I knew Bill, I was sure he would just ignore it and put it in his pocket and go on to the next thing. I figured he would say something like this. Help them people. They just need to get a job. But Bill fooled me. He got behind that project and he collected I don't know how many blankets. The day he took them to the shelter, Bill, the day after, he came to my office. And there were tears in his eyes as he shared what he had seen. And he told me, Steve, no one ought to, be, ought to have to live like that. Bill went on to tell me that the shelter's director had asked the men of the, if the men of church would come and, and serve a meal once a month. Bill said, if I had to pay it out of my own pocket, we're going to do it. That's how it got started. And until the day he died, 
Bill Helms' passion was that ministry. He tirelessly worked year-round to raise funds and make plans for, for the meals. He pushed, he prodded, he cajoled and shamed people into being a part of the ministry. But like I said, for all his flaws, Bill loved the Lord. And he had a genuine servant's heart. And when, I, when he got to heaven, I know he heard Jesus say these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Come and I will make you ruler over many things. And that is the highest honor you can receive in the kingdom of God. So as we close, I want you to ask yourself a question. What kind of servant am I? Or to put it away, another way, what are you doing on earth for heaven's sake? Heavenly Daddy, God, we thank you for this time of worship this morning. And everything has been focused towards the Lord's Supper, and now we focus on this hymn of decision. And if there is one who, they may be here in the sanctuary, or they may be watching online, who, who's never asked Jesus into their life, I pray that they'll do so today by praying this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are God's one and only Son. Jesus, I believe that you gave your life on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you were physically raised from the dead three days after your death on the cross. Dear God, please forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life and be my Savior and forever friend. And for anyone who's prayed that prayer, just listened and nodded their head in a, that they agree with all the things that we've just said. Father, today has become their day of salvation. And I pray that what they'll do right now, if they're in the sanctuary, that when we begin to sing the hymn, that they'll come forward and let, and let, let the whole church rejoice in their time of their time of receiving Jesus. If they're watching online, I pray they'll send me a text message. And I'll get back to them just as soon as I can. And we together can, can rejoice in what's happened in their life. There may be others here today who, who want to move their membership from another church. By any of the ways that we receive new members. There may be others who want to, to come and recommit themselves to Jesus. There may be some who want to come and just bow at the altar and pray. That's, a, that's an incredible experience. But whatever decisions we need to make, Father, help us to make them right now as we sing this hymn. And we make this in prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.